Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. This is Golf Monthly's weekly look at the world of golf and this is quite a special podcast this week, not only because uh, you have a new host, my name is Joel Tadman, Golf Monthly technical editor, but we are coming at you at a special from a special location. We are at Archerfield for the Paul Laurie match play event, so uh, it's a very exciting week this week. We are here covering the event and all the goings on here in East Lothian. I'm also joined by um, a relatively new podcaster, Jake O'Reilly, technical writer. Jake, how are you? I'm very well. Very happy to be in a sunny Scotland. Um, I've been told before that Scotland is quite a, um, a cloudy, rainy place, but um, I've, I'm here for myself on the grounds, and I can tell you that's all lies. It's beautiful sunshine and barely a breath of wind in the sky. Uh, absolutely. The weather here is, is absolutely fantastic. It is set to get a little worse as the day goes on, as the week goes on, sorry, but um, yeah, absolutely stunning weather here today. Barely a cloud in the sky, warm and sunny, and there's a few players out here practicing. I've seen Thomas Bjorn out there. We've just uh, we've seen Graham Storm out there earlier. So uh, the big names are starting to come in. Uh, it's not a massively um, high-profile field this week. Obviously, the back of the USPGA, which we're going to talk about in a second, but uh, still plenty of good names playing this week. But first, we are going to talk about the USPGA, uh, which finished yesterday. Um, Myself and Jake had some very early flights to catch to get up here for the Paul Laurie. So we didn't see the end of the USPGA. But as we know now, Jimmy Walker uh, finished one shot ahead of Jason Day. Uh, as his maiden major victory. Uh, Jake, your initial thoughts on Jimmy Walker winning yesterday. It was quite a dramatic finish. Yeah, I think um, he doesn't strike me as one of those players that were on my to-watch list. But then... I've seen lots of sort of um, stats and facts tweeted today, things like his, um, you know, his sort of finishes over the last sort of six months and all that sort of stuff. And actually, he probably should have been on the watch list of many people. He's a very consistent performer. He's got a very good tee to green game that obviously came to fruition, um, you know, last night at Bullstraw. So, um, you know, good, good, um, well played by him. He held off Jason Day, who is a very hard. Um, sort of player to hold off obviously he finished very strongly and um, you know I think he deserves it, deserves it he was wire to wire which um, only a handful of sort of Hall of Famers have ever managed to do and he now joins that elite pack and um, I wouldn't be surprised if he yeah he got a couple more in his mm. career well hasten to add that Jimmy Walker was not picked by our resident tipster Tom Clark for once he uh, was unable to pick the winner but he has still had a good season uh, this year uh, but yeah, um, made a major for Jimmy Walker, and that completes the clean sweep of made a major winners this year. Obviously, Danny Willett winning the Masters, uh, Dustin Johnson winning the US Open, then Henrik Stenson winning the Open. So it's been a good year for golf. Um, I don't think the governing bodies of the tournaments have covered themselves in glory once again. Uh, the weather played a big part, and the PGA, you know, setting their ways a little bit deciding not to move the tee times forward on Saturday, uh, even though they knew the weather was coming. And if they read the Golf Monthly weather report on Monday that I wrote, they certainly would have known there were storms brewing on Saturday afternoon. Uh, decided to stick with stick to their guns. You know, first tee start, uh, two balls, not three balls, lost a load of time. Uh, and as a result, on the Sunday, the players were playing rounds three and rounds four simultaneously. Not only that, they were doing pick and placing on the fairway uh, or close to the areas through the green for the first time in major history ever. So uh, lots of precedents being set. I mean, Jake, do you feel that all these things that happened detracted from the excitement of the, of the finish? I think they did. I think that the main detractor for me that sort of ruined it a little bit was the whole 
um, sort of two balls have to stay the same for round three and round four. That really, you know, if Jason Day makes that eagle alongside Jimmy Walker, suddenly Jimmy Walker is he's nervous, he's shaking, he's worried. And um, if he's playing alongside the world number one, who, um, you know, he's, he's not won a major this year, but he's finished in the top sort of five or six more often than not. Um, he's got the best community of score through the majors this year. He's really on his game. He, he really wants to defend his title that he won last year. I think if they're playing together and they can see the whites in each other's eyes, Jimmy Walker starts to buckle that little bit more. Um, mm. So I think that, that did ruin the drama for me a little bit. Uh, do you agree with that? You know, so to clarify, the, there was no redraw for round four after round three. That's what you're saying. Correct, yes. Right. Yeah. And then obviously the other thing was the, the preferred lies. Um for me, that's not too much of an issue because I think if they hadn't done that and one of the sort of the, the leaders or the, the, high, the high up sort of top 10 guys had got a real bad lie because of the wet fairways and they got really unlucky and they couldn't pick and place, I think that would ruin the tournament. So I think that was probably the, the right call. Um, I, you know, if you'd shot 62 in a major and had that little asterisk by your score because it was pick preferred lies, then maybe you might have felt a bit hard done by. But I think that was best to avoid a sort of a bigger scandal that could have happened. Yeah, I think I think I'm not sure they would have been too bothered. I think as long as they had their name on the trophy, I think uh, they would have been pretty happy. But I did see some close-ups on the fairway. There was a lot of mud on the ball um, off the tee. So I think yeah, the the pick and place rule I think was fair enough. Uh, certainly played into the hands of the long hitters. You look at the leaderboard. You've got Jimmy Walker so the ball a long way. Obviously Jason Day and, and a few others as well. Brooks Koepka, another one hits the ball a hell of a long way and. Those kind of long hitters um, did find their way up to the top of the leaderboard, apart from a few high-profile long hitters that missed the cut. Uh, surprisingly, we've got the likes of Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, both who were tipped to do very well. Obviously, Dustin Johnson especially playing the golf of his life, um, but struggled this week. Jake, why do you think Dustin struggled? I think it probably comes down to just pure and simple burnout. I mean, we see it on tour all the time, um, you know, normal guys like us experience it in everyday life if you're doing something um sort of on repeat loads and loads and loads eventually you're going to get tired you're going to slow up and you're going to lose your perfect performance um and i think for dj that's probably what happened i mean i think he just needs a couple of weeks off probably to re-motivate um he's obviously not playing in the olympics now he announced so i think he just needs a couple of weeks off and i wouldn't be surprised at all if he turned up on the first tee at hazeltine and absolutely destroyed whoever he's you know paired against in the Ryder cup he's that sort of talented player um, I think it's just, you know, you can't play week in, week out and shoot 65. You're going to have a bad day, as all us guys know from playing club golf. You know, we all have those days where we throw in a horrible score. And for him, it just happened to be this week. Yeah, more often than not, unfortunately, in, in, in my case. But uh, yeah, Dustin certainly looked mentally drained out on the course. Uh, obviously, played well last week at the Canadian Open, but couldn't, couldn't carry that over. But it was a different story for Rory, wasn't it? What did you make of that? Yeah, well, Rory, um, Teeter Green... Was one of the best golfers in the field. Strokes gained, tee to green. I think he was top of the standings after two rounds. 154th in strokes gained putting. So it's not, you know, it's pretty obvious to see where the the problems lie. He's always had that kind of weird stroke where he hits up on the ball a lot. He's changed his grip a couple of times. Went left below right uh, for a bit, and then went back to right below left. Um, I think he just needs to, you know, commit to a method, go and see his coach, maybe a putting coach or whatever, find a new method that's going to work for him and commit to it. Uh, obviously, we need him back putting well for the Ryder Cup uh, in a few weeks' time. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just one of those weeks for Rory where it didn't happen for him on the greens, but um, he's too talented to uh, not be back with a bang. But let's move on, Jake, from the USPGA. 
and talk about why we're here this week. This is the Paul Laurie match play on the European Tour at Archerfield. It's a stunning venue. It's, I think it's the second edition of this event. It was won by Kiridesh Afi Barnrett last year. Um, obviously a new venue this year. Jake, what are your initial thoughts on the golf course? Because it seems on the face of it to look like a proper match play golf course. Yeah, I think um, me and you were lucky enough to walk a few holes earlier when it was nice and quiet. A lot of the guys aren't arriving until tomorrow, so we sort of got out on the course. We got right up close and personal with the, sort of had a look at the tees, the greens and the setup. Um, and I think it's going to be a quite a special little venue for this tournament. Um, it's quite a different sort of front nine, back nine feel. The front nine is quite tight and tree-lined, so you sort of have to, um, you know, sort of not put it in the trees, but ideally just hit it down the middle. So I think driving accuracy will, will help. Um, back nine is more linksy, so you know again accuracy I think will be important to not come out of the the sort of the wispy stuff. Um, me and you Joel caught up with the head pro here Gary Nichols, didn't we this morning? And um, he said the greens are firmed up again. So if you're coming out of the rough um, into those sort of firmer greens, you're going to struggle to hold the ball up. Um, it looks like quite a, t- a tight course. So for me, it's all about accuracy. And then if you put it in play, um, put some pressure on your opponent, it's going to be tough for them to then sort of mm. come back at you. Yeah, the front nine is an interesting combination of trees, fir trees and pot bunkers as well. So um, premium on accuracy, but if you can get your driver out, you know, if you hit it in the trees, you're not going to be losing your ball. You know, you can be chipping it out and if you're near the green, you might be able to get on uh, the green or around it and it should still make a pass. So I'd imagine it's going to be quite a birdie fest uh, on that golf course. This is the Fedra golf course. Of course, there are two golf courses here at Archerfield. Um, but let's talk about... The players. Uh, it's a pretty good field. There's some pretty high-profile names. You've got Matthew Fitzpatrick playing, Chris Wood, both looking for solid finishes to get solidify their Ryder Cup position. I mean, Jake, are there any others that are standing out for you, or are these two the guys to watch? I think in terms of ranking and also motivation, more importantly, those are the two that are going to really be chomping at the bit to impress Darren Clark, who's not here this week, but also obviously um, Paul Laurie, who's a, who's hosting the tournament and is also a Ryder Cup vice captain. So they'll be chomping at the bit to sort of impress in a match play environment. L- those two aside, there are some good names. I think Alex Noren obviously won the Scottish Open a couple of weeks back. So um, could he do the Scottish double? Quite possibly. He's got the game for it. Um, and then otherwise, there's, you're going to be looking at sort of strong drivers of the golf ball, people that put it in play, people that have got that advantage. Um, Chris Wood is obviously we said is, is high ranked and do well um, further down the field there's some other some, some, some good names that could well contest I mean Noren's won Mark Warren last year got to the final of the of this tournament um, and he'll, he'll have a lot of home support behind him um, so there's there's definitely some names sort of that could come from out the pack to contend yeah I mean looking down the list some names that are jumping out at me Matthew Southgate had a really good open championship a um, bit further down, you've got the likes of Hayden Porteous. He also played pretty well at the Open uh, at the start. Anyway, fitted away a bit towards the end. But um, And the final one, Tommy Fleetwood, I think he could do quite well. There's, there's a pretty good field. And, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting format. So it's a 64-man knockout, 32 seeded, and then 32 drawn against those seeded players. Um, so that's happening tomorrow. So make sure you check out the Golf Monthly website and social media channels for to see who's been drawn against who. Um, and the great thing about this, Jake, is that you know you're getting a lot of action for your money, aren't you? Yeah, I mean pound per pound, it is uh, probably the best value tournament the European Tour will host this year because uh, daily tickets are just 15 quid, and um, if you want to go buy a week pass, it's only 35 quid. So if you go for the weekend, uh, the whole week pass for 35 quid, and you turn up. 
you know, sort of Wednesday to Sunday, you're paying barely, you know, less than £10 a day. So £10 a day to watch some of the world's best golfers go head to head, I think is incredible value. Um, and, you know, we really should applaud the, the European Tour and the, all the sponsors and the Paul Laurie match play for sort of not trying to, you know, push that price up. They've, they've sort of opened it up to the fans and hopefully the fans will come out and support the venue for that. I think it's going to be a great tournament um, and hopefully the crowds will make it even more special because as we've seen with Ryder Cups over the years, if you get a good crowd atmosphere, the match play can it can really sort of play a part of that story. Yeah, I think Paul Laurie's done a fantastic job of really opening it up to everyone uh, making it a really accessible event um, and don't forget uh, for just £5 you can come uh, to the Prime Day on the Wednesday and watch the likes of myself hack it around in the rough so uh, that should be fun to watch anyway moving swiftly on because we are going to have a chat with one of the players who's playing this week uh, Richie Ramsey one of the home favourites uh, we spoke to him a little bit earlier about uh, match play tactics and also his thoughts on the event and the golf course Okay, so you join us on the first fairway here at Archfield, and I'm joined by European Tour player Richie Ramsey. Richie, thanks for joining us. No worries. Um, the sun is out. I feel like I should paint the picture. The sun is out. It's warm. Is it always like this here in Scotland? Yeah, I can, yeah, I can guarantee you it's always like this. Um, no, obviously, um, East Coast is generally a little bit cooler, um, but it's a lot drier than the West Coast. Um, you wouldn't get me staying on that West Coast. It can rain for days over there. Um, but this is a beautiful place down here. I mean, East Lothian's gorgeous. And this, when you come past that estuary just after Aberlady, got some great courses down here. Um, I play next door at Renaissance. And next to that, you've got Muirfield, which kind of speaks for itself. Um, yeah, and we're on the Fidra links here at Archerfield. So mm. it's, it's a beautiful setup. Um, just looking forward to getting the week going and just play a few holes and get a feel for the course. Yeah, I and mean, we're here for the Paul Laurie match play event just give us your initial thoughts on playing here this week um yeah really looking forward to it. any time you get to play in scotland it's good um got a strong field um it's going to be a test this week but um, match play is something different it throws up you know a different feel on the course you can apply pressure to your opponent um you can you know maybe sometimes stick to your own game just not pay attention to what he's doing play the golf course so it's all different all different ways you can play it. It's whatever suits you. Um, but yeah, I'm a fan of the course. I played here on Thursday and um, suits my game. You've got to hit it pretty straight. I've had a little bit of rain the last two weeks, so the rough is a little bit, there's a little bit of thick spots off the fairways um, and you need the control going into the green. So yeah, um, yeah, just looking forward to it. Looking forward to playing. And you guys don't play much match play out on tour these days. Do you think you should be playing more match play, or is it the balance about right? You think? Um, I would wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind maybe, you know, the kind of idea that the British amateur has. Sometimes maybe even a stroke play, and then you pick 64 and then go match play after that. Something a bit different. I think new formats are a good idea. I think you've got to mix the traditional with the sort of modern, um, and um, this is a good start. And I think people are a little bit more aggressive sometimes in the match play format and um, adds something different and gives a little bit maybe a better product for people to come out and watch. Are you a fan of these plans to, for Keith Pelly rolling out these six hole formats? Do you think that's going to be good for the game? Um, I think it will be. I think it's something that we've talked about for a long time. Um, I wouldn't say it's a new idea. It's definitely not a new idea. It's something that 
is, you know, you redevelopment the wheel a little bit. It's been talked about. It's whether you can execute it. Um, but like I say, I think you've got to keep the traditional element of golf, but you've got to target more so the biggest issue, which is time. You know, six hole, I know places that do nine hole medals now, because guys can go away to the golf course. You know, you can bomb round, get around an hour and a half, maybe two hours, grab a bite to eat, get home. Now, two or three hours in a day is okay, but when you start maybe asking the wife for six hours to go away and play golf, the answer is generally going to be no. <laughs> so um, you've got you've got to look at what the what the average golfer does at the golf club or how much time he has and, and try and make it easier for them to get into the game or easier for them to get out and play more regularly. Um, whether that be affordability um, as well, I don't know, but time is definitely a, a massive issue. You speak to all the guys who, um, who get into the game and then I think the other big thing for me is the guys who play as a junior, they go to university, they're trying to start a job, maybe trying to buy a flat, maybe trying to travel, a lot more costs. I think you need those guys from 20 to 30, you need to keep them involved in the game by giving them some kind of discount and, and effectively bring them on in a golf club, maintain their membership, which a lot of guys lose. Because um, I generally find there's a big gap between guys who are 18 and suddenly you jump to maybe guys who are 40, 45. Mm. Um, so there's, I think there's lots of different things you could do. I think more business-led approach, but um, the things that the tour are trying to do are, the, the, the things that I hear are good, um, but uh, talking and action are two different things, so sure. it'd be good to see what happens. Now, Richard, you have a pretty good pedigree in match play golf. Obviously, you won the US Amateur a few years ago, back in 2006, I think it was? Yeah, 2006. So what do you think makes a good match play golfer? Um... Someone who's going to have patience is important in any. doesn't matter if you're playing match play or stroke play, but probably especially in match play because it's not over till the end. You know, you can't give away any holes. Um, and I think, obviously, a solid a solid game tee to green um, applies more pressure to your opponent because you're, you're kind of thinking, well, they're not going to make a mistake or he's not going to make a mistake. I'm going to have to make birdies to win holes. Um... And just, I suppose like anything, you just got to, I think keeping, I think keeping bogeys off your card is important. More so for me, I find it easier when, you know, if someone makes a birdie, they make a birdie, they win a hole, that's, that's going to be expected, but you can't really be giving away holes for free. Mm. Um, so good tee to green, and then also you're going to have to roll a few putts in. So I think, I think a solid, you know, a solid guy tee to green um, because otherwise, if if you're chipping out from trees or you're trying to hit shots from rough and stuff, you're always under pressure. Mm. And sooner or later, that's gonna that's gonna tell. Um, and that's why I think I'm quite suited towards match because my mm. putting's definitely improved, but my long game's always been very steady. Yeah, you're one of the straightest drivers out here. I think yeah. you've got the stats that's got to help. I mean, that's 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 basically how I won the U.S. Amateur. I mean, I, I putted well, but in the final, um, tee green, I was ridiculous. Like even I was impressed by the way I played because I was missed something like two greens and one fairway and you know 34 holes. And you're playing on a golf course which is it's not as tough as a U.S. Open, but it's very much like a PG, U.S. PGA setup where you're in the rough 
I mean, you're probably taking a sandwich and knocking it maybe a max mm. 100 yards down the fairway. I mean, other than being a very straight driver, do you have any kind of tactics or not, you know, bordering on games or shit that you like to do? Maybe give some long putts early on and then um, not give them late on anything like that? I've seen some guys give, you know, they'll give the four footer on the second, but um, the closer it gets to 18, <laughs> then we're likely to make the guy putt out. Which, you know, pressure builds long, you know, the longer the match goes on, so, and that's fair enough. Um, I can't really think of any. No, I just, I try to just think about the way that I play the best, which is generally to play my own game and play the golf course. If I don't see a shot on the tee, for example, um, I'm not going to take it on irrespective of what the other guy's doing. Because the other guy could maybe love driver down a hole, um, and um, and I don't like that, I maybe like three wood. Mm. Um, and I'll just stick to my stick to my game plan. Um, a lot of time it's the other way around, it's a lot of time I pull out the driver on holes where guys wouldn't normally see it, but my strengths are my driving, so better for me to get the driver out and then get the advantage off the tee. And just lastly, I know you've recently become a father, I mean just give us a bit of perspective on how that's changed your outlook on golf, how has it maybe improved your mental approach as you, as you play this year? Um, I'd say I'm a lot more, I think the patience that I've developed on the golf course helps you massively uh, when you're home, because just like any baby you're going to have to be patient, but um, takes your mind off things, you focus on, well I focus on Olivia a lot more, um, just when I come home you know there's more stuff to do, it does tire you out, there's no doubt about it, it's like, it's one of those, I said some of the day, it's, it's the toughest job in the world, especially for us because we're away so much. And when you want to, when you want to be home, you want to spend quality time with them. Um, but at the same time, it's the best job in the world. Like I mean, when you wake up in the morning, <laughs> I went through this morning, just just hear her feet thumping in the crib, <laughs> and uh, you, you peer your head over, and she's just like her face is like lit up because she obviously has been sleeping for a long time and she wants to get up. So um, that's a great feeling. I mean, that's the best feeling ever. Sure. So probably a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, grounded a little bit more um, grateful for probably the job I do and a little bit more grateful of things like just maybe the fact that she's just little things like the fact that she's healthy like you take that for granted a lot of the time so other things that used to niggle me don't get on my nerves as much now. Well, fascinating to hear from a European tour player who's obviously got proven pedigree at match play uh, that's Richie Ramsey there so hope you enjoyed that um, a couple of things to finish. The first thing, Jake, we're not going to do a quiz because it's only me and you here. Um, but I've got a couple of US PGA related questions that uh, I wondered if you could potentially answer. They're quite tricky, so bear with me. I'll give it my best shot, Joe. Cool. Right. The first one, obviously, Jimmy Walker winning meant that um, the winners of all four majors this year was their maiden major victory. When was the last time that happened, and who were the four major winners? Oh, that's a tough one on the spot, Joe. I'll let just start off difficult. Um, okay, I'm going to have to get my thinking cap on. So, let me think. It's not going to be too recently, because we had the likes. Of... It was relatively recently. Okay, well, we had... I know it's not... Let me, if I'm thinking backwards, I know we had Ernie Els quite recently at the Open. We had Mickelson at the Open. We had Rory at the Open. They've all won before, so it's got to be going a bit further back than that. 
Um, so I'll give you the year. Do you want the year? Would that help? Let me have a punt. Is it um, maybe when Glover won? In, that was at 08? Incorrect. It was okay. more give recent me, than Give me that. a year. So 2011. Okay, 11. So uh, who was 11? So let me think. The open venue in 2011 would have been Royal St George's. I remember being there. So that would have been Darren Clark. Correct. His first one. That is... One out of four. Well One done. One out of four. Um, US Open 11. So, um, who's 11? So, that would have probably... Was it, the, was it the GMAC Rory? It must have been one of those two. So, that was their first four. So, I'm going to go for... Um, is the course too much of a clue? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna, let, let's guess for Rory. Is Rory right? That is correct. Oh, Congressional okay. Golf Club. Congressional uh, uh, Golf and Country Club, sorry. Okay. So 11, so who else was 11? So go back to the Masters. Um, of course, going back a few Masters now. 11, 11, 11. So it wouldn't have been, it's too late for Sabatini. It would have been around the... Sabatini? Jump. Yeah, it's a bit late for him. Don't think he the Masters. Um, Immelman, sorry. Sabatini, <laughs> that was a bit of a stretch, wasn't it? Yeah. Immelman, Immelman was around then. So was Johnson, kind of been too much after that. 11, I think 11 was Swartzel though, wasn't it? Yeah, bang, four birdies to finish. That was a good stretch, and then, wasn't it? Pals? I think you know. And then PGA. so PGA, um, that was a playoff, wasn't it? So I think that was Keegan Bradley. That is correct. Yeah, beat yeah. Jason. So Duffner. that was a, it. Was a good year of. Um, I, I have a feeling, and maybe you'll disagree with me, Joel, but I have a feeling this year's batch of first-time winners, Willett, Johnson, uh, Stenson, and Walker, will probably go on to better things than the other four in terms of. Other than Rory, of, Other than Rory, yeah. perhaps. But in terms of Bradley, um, Schwartz, or... Yeah, I would say um, I would say they're definitely, can you say, more deserving of, a, of winning a I think major, they just perhaps. have collected more in their career up to that point. Yeah, I think they've got more talent, more ability, and they are more likely to win more majors. And then now we just need Sergio Garcia and Lee Westwood to get the job done. Mm. What do you think? Will they get the job done? I would give a lot to see both of those guys go head-to-head. Here's a question for you, slightly off-topic, but if those two were in a playoff, who would you be supporting? Because obviously your Britishness, you're behind Westwood, but my heart has always sort of had a little soft spot for Sergio. A little soft spot for Serge. Um, yeah, oh, I mean, Westwood's probably come closer more often. I'd probably lean towards Westwood. I think, I'm not saying he's more likely to win it, but I would want him to win yeah. one more. And I think he's probably older than Sergio, so a little bit. Time, time is running so, out yeah. more for him. Okay, hit me with question number um, two, Joel. Okay, question number two. So, uh, obviously, uh, we mentioned, we touched on 2011 was the last time that uh, Maiden Majors happened in the same year, but how many times has that happened in history? Maiden Majors so in the same so, year. Yeah, exactly. How many times has that happened? So you know that it was uh, this year and Yeah, 2011, 2011 so twice... Um, well, obviously, in the early days, it would have happened a lot because they were the first majors. So, pretty much, probably like ten of the first twelve years might have been major. You might think that, but what's your what's your answer? Um, well, I reckon in the modern history, probably in say the last thirty years, it's probably only happened say five times. But I think in the older history, it would have happened a few more. So I'm going to say um, ten. Well, the answer is five. Wow. Uh, and I don't have the exact years on me to date, uh, so people have to look that up. But the answer is five. For five years in the history of major championships, 
that um, the winners have uh, won their first major. So there you wow. go, one step forward. And the final quiz question for you, Jake. Um, the bad weather we had this week threatens to take the USPGA to a Monday finish. When was the last time the USPGA went to a Monday finish? Hmm. Um, that is a very good question, Joel. I can't remember any... Um, I know there was obviously the playoffs over the years with, um, you know, we mentioned Bradley and Duffner went head-to-head. Um, I'm sure there's been a couple more. Um, I have a feeling, I, I remember seeing this in a tweet, actually. I think it was the year that it was last at Borstall, funnily enough. I think it was the year that Phil won in 05. Oh, damn you, Twitter. Giving all my answers to all my quizzes. Yeah. Well done, Jake. Three out of three, we'll give you that. Um, excellent work. Right, okay, so let's wrap things up now. Um, thank you for listening. The one thing we need to touch on is, obviously, next week is the Olympics. Uh, so make sure you check out our podcast all about the Olympic golf in the Olympics. Uh, quick one for me and you, Jake. Obviously, we have different opinions on this. For me, I think golf should be in the Olympics. I think golfers are athletes. I think it just happens to come at a bit of a bad time with it being in Ryder Cup year and at a venue where there's health concerns and things like that. Um, it just happens to be a bad thing for golf that a lot of the players are pulling out, I think, a lot more than would have played if it was in a different year in a different venue. Jake, you have a different opinion to me? Yeah, I think the Olympics has been round um, since, you know, ancient Greece, and I think it deserves a lot more respect than golf is ever going to give it. Um, You know, there's sort of athletes going to Rio that have, quote, you know, Greg Rutherford, um, the long jumper, has um, apparently frozen his sperm because that's, you know, he's going to risk it no matter what he's going to go um, I've heard other people say it's, it's more than worth the risk um, and I think golfers are just using it as an excuse because of the busy schedule I'd much rather see I think golf beat off sports such as squash to get in this year and I think squash that would have been one of the pinnacles of the squash calendar whereas with golf it's just sort of wedged in the middle somewhere so for me I think it's the Olympics deserve more respect than golfers can give it and um, maybe there'll be a, a time and a place for me if it was like a um, an amateur format or like a, a foursomes or just something a bit different something a bit exciting maybe I could have warmed to it but 72 two whole stroke play between the world's best half of whom aren't going to be there mm. for me just doesn't doesn't make me want to tune in fair enough I'm sure there'll be other people out there that share your opinion Jake um, I'm sure there may be many people out there glued to it I will be watching um, hopefully you will too um, but in the meantime that concludes the podcast Thanks for listening, and it's bye from me. It's bye from me. Thanks a lot. We'll see you again soon.